0: I was going to drive 1,400 miles from Flagstaff up to Bellingham, catch the ferry, two days later be in catch camp. That was the plan. I went out to leave that morning. This was over a month ago, and there's an oil spot underneath the engine. I said, oh, no. And I took it back to where the oil was changed, and I said, did you get everything tight? And they put it up on the lift. They said, yeah, everything's tight. They said, come here, we'll show you where it's leaking. It was coming out of the drain plug on the crank case and just very slowly, very slowly dripping, enough that I didn't want to drive that far. So I thought, well, I better get it fixed. I went to Shabby GMC and a couple other garages, and they said, we're anywhere from three days to a week behind. So I thought, all right, Lord, if you want me to get it fixed, then I better call the ferry terminal and reschedule. So I called, and they said, oh, uh, your cruise has been canceled. I said, well, thanks for letting me know. (laughs) And I thought I was very glad the Lord was protecting me, looking out for me, because I would have driven 1,400 miles only to turn around and drive that back home. So what it was, was the little washer that's on the drain plug, plug. You're supposed to change that every other oil change. How many of you knew that? I've done mechanic work for years, and I never did that. But they said it ought to be done every other oil change, because it's like a crush washer. So they put a new one in, and that was fine. No more leaks. I rescheduled, and then got up here, Went up to the property at Thorn Bay, 2.30 in the morning. I get a phone call. My sister-in-law says, Sam, your brother Bob died. Uh, he got up, I guess, to go to the bathroom, set up on the end of the bed, and just laid back. He was gone not fast. So I told the guys, I said, I'm not going to stay. I'm going to go back for the funeral. And he is in Iuka, Mississippi. Anybody heard of that, burg? That was my first introduction to it. I had to land in Memphis, rent a car, and drive two and a half hours to Iuka, I-U-K-A. So I went, and uh, I was praying the whole time, Lord, give me an opportunity to witness, because a lot of my extended family, they're not, they're not saved, they're not interested in the things of the Lord. And he was going to a Methodist church, a liberal church, and I thought, well, I'm going to introduce myself to the... To the pastor. And I went into study and told him who it was, told him I was a missionary with Independent Baptist Indian Missions Among the Indians. It'll be 51 years this fall that we've been serving out there. And he said, well, I was going to allow people to say something, so you just be ready when the time comes. I said, all right. And he introduced the opportunity by saying, if you want to come up, take two to three minutes It's like telling a Baptist preacher, don't even start. So I just went up and I just started. And I told a story about my older brother. How many of you have them? Can't they be annoying? Think they know everything. You got to obey them because they're bigger or they'll thump you. Well, how many have younger brothers? Yeah. Well, my younger brother and I were playing in the barn one day and we are making up this drama in our head that a monster was chasing us, and we were going to set a trap for him. And there's a hatch right inside the double doors where you pull tractors and stuff in the barn, and then there's a walk-through door. And right in front of that, you open this hatch and throw hay down to the animals below. So we left that open, and we took corn stalks and we laid them across that opening and then spray then we just strew some hay on top of that and if you didn't look at it you wouldn't know it was a hole covered up so he and I my younger brother about for me to the doors on the other end of the barn and we're manufacturing this scenario and this monster we can hear him coming and all of a sudden the door opens and here's my older brother what are you doing in the barn? You know you're not supposed to play here. We said, don't come in here. What's an older brother say? Don't tell me what to do. No, no, don't come in here. You two need to get out of here. Don't come in here, Bob. He took about two steps and disappeared. He went right straight down to the bottom. He hit the ground and bounced into the wall, cut his head. He's bleeding down his face we ran over and looked down and said, you hurt. He said, you're going to be when I get out of here. And I said, no, we're not even going to be here. And we took off out of there, and we got to mom first, safeguard. And we explained to her. We told him not to come in, mom, but he wouldn't listen. Now, he was her favorite. He was her firstborn boy. And <clears throat> so when he finally showed up, he still bleeds. Mom, look what he did. And she said, well, why didn't you listen to him? <laughs> what? I don't have to listen to them. Well, if you had to listen to him, you wouldn't have got hurt. They told you don't come in. Yeah, but they don't tell me what to do. You should have listened this time. And I thought, this is great. Even mom's on our side. And that didn't happen a lot with him. I want to tell you one more story. My younger brother and I used to like to go fishing, and the next farm over, they had a creek running through there, and there was chubs in there. They were just fun to catch. And uh, we were out back at the barn digging worms, and we got some pretty nice nightcrawlers. And I'm digging, and my younger brother, he's holding them in his hand, and he said, you got something to put this in? I said, no. And I didn't want to quit because we hit a patch where there was a lot of big nightcrawlers. And I'm still digging. I said, go go ask mom. Ask her if she has a, a soup can or something. So he ran in the house. And I'm waiting and waiting, and he didn't come back. And finally I hear mom say, all right, kids, supper's ready. Get in here. Now, my mom did not like to have to wait. Once the meal was ready and hot, get there and eat it. But she had taken the time to repair it. She didn't want it to get cold. So... I thought, well, I guess I'll have to wait. I went back to the house, and I looked at my younger brother, and I said, I thought you were coming back with a can or something. He said, she wouldn't give me any. She just said, I don't care, sit down. And uh, he said, I tried to explain to her. So I, I sat down. and was waiting for prayer. And in our house, there's seven of us kids. And because the cow hadn't freshened recently, She said, we're running low on milk, so one glass of milk per meal. Now, my older brother, he'd go through three or four. I would, too, if I had the chance. And she said, one glass per meal. So what he did, he would sit down, and I sit next to him and then my younger brother, and uh, he would reach over and grab my glass and turn like this to block me, and then he'd drink it down. And he said, you don't get any more. It's one glass per meal. And he'd still have his. And uh, <laughs> we said, he reached my younger brothers. And my younger brother said, no, no, don't, don't. And he said, shut up. And he put it in the other hand so he couldn't reach him. whoop, whoop. Whoop. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the whole family cracked up over that. And thought, hmm, serves him right. <laughs> well, obviously I made it up here and was able to get back after the funeral. I did give the gospel, um, a brief gospel message. I don't know how many people from that Methodist Church came up afterwards and said, we were really glad you said what you said. That needs to be given at every funeral. I said, Yeah. But you got to keep in mind Jesus interrupted every funeral he went to. He kept raising up the people again. And instead of leaving them dead and telling them how to prepare, that's our job. And I thought this is this is good. I'm glad they were paying attention. I'm glad they saw the difference. Now, my brothers, myself, some of our sisters, we go to Youth for Christ. Anybody remember that? You're aging yourself, all right? Yeah. And my older brother said he made a profession of faith at one of those services. But he never bothered going to church, wasn't interested in studying or reading the scriptures or or praying like on a daily habit. So I just kept praying for him. And I'd say things to him when the opportunity would arise. But older brother, younger brother, I'd get the look like, shut up. If I'm interested, I'll ask somebody else. Well... He married a gal by the name of Linda, and she told me the first time I met her, she came up and she said, I want you to know I am saved. And she said, I was raised Baptist, and I still hold to those specifics. And I said, well, good for you. I said, I'll be praying that maybe you'll be able to witness to him. Well, she did get him go go to church. And according to the folks there, he was quite active in the church, and my wife who's on Facebook with his wife, she said, you know, sometimes your brother says stuff on Facebook. I think he's saved. But then there's times he says something else, and I wonder where he's at. So isn't it great God knows those that are his? It's not up to us to decide. Leave that in his hands. He's much wiser than we are, much wiser. I have a question to ask you. What state are you in? You say, well, Alaska, of course. No, I'm not talking about geographic state. I'm talking about your spiritual state. Turn, if you will, to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul writing to the Philippian believers. You'll remember in the book of Acts, he was in jail there, and the jailer. after an earthquake, said, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved, and thine house. Well, look at what Paul says here, and he's referring to this young man that he has taken on to be his missionary helper, Timotheus, or Timothy. And starting in verse 19, it says this, But I trust Jesus, to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. There's the word, state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, for all their own, not the things which are Christ, Jesus Christ. But ye know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father he hath served me in the gospel. And we're going to read through verse 24. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently, so as soon as I shall see how it'll go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself might come shortly. Now, go with me to Colossians, the very next book, just a couple pages over, Colossians chapter 4. And we're going to look at a couple verses there because Paul was not only interested in other believer's state, spiritual state, but he was very conscious of his own, which is something we should take stock regularly. Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. And all my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who's a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. This state <clears throat> is referring to this another word that talks about our state for God. Let's... Um, make this the trinity father Son, and holy spirit what is our standing before god well it's very simple and can only be one of two places go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and look at verse 22 1 Corinthians 15 verse 22 now the reason i like to use the board I've taught in uh, six different Bible institutes for Indians, preparing them for ministry. And because they're not used to a written revelation from God, they're always relying on the medicine man who's supposed to be the carrier of the message from the spirit world to them. And they don't have a written revelation like we do. Isn't that great? This is fixed. If God doesn't do what he said here, he's a liar. But he's not a liar. God cannot lie. And the fact that he's written it down, wow, that means he is absolutely certain this is what he wants us to understand about him and his plan, his will. So I like to use these diagrams. It helps the Indian folks make that transition from no written revelation to a written revelation when they can see sometimes different illustrations that help them see this thing. Now, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22, who's got it? Don't be afraid. Go ahead. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Now, this is the natural man. Uh, Adam is the father of all human beings. Adam and Eve were our first parents. That in itself is quite a revelation to the Indian people because each of their tribes have their own story as to how they began, where they began. But the Bible makes it very clear. God says, this is how you began. And Adam, when he sinned, he brought sin into the world. One man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, in that all men have sinned. So when you're born, naturally, you're part of the human race. And as this verse says, in Adam, all what. Die, you die. Physically, and you die spiritually. And as a result, you need something to change this, or you're going to hell because you're born into the human race and because of our first father. It's really that simple. We like to confuse it. But what if? What about these people? Yeah, <laughs> God already covers that. In Adam, a few die, right? No, and Adam all die. It's a comprehensive understanding. Well, because we die here, the natural man being being uh, spiritually, he can't understand spiritual truth. When Adam sinned, it cut him off from God. As a result, man didn't know anything about God except what God chose to make known to him. Um, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14. Who's got it? Go ahead and read it. You know why the unsaved don't come here? To them, it's like an ear beating. I don't understand what they're talking about. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit, neither can he know them. Genosko. It's not by intellectual capacity that he can understand spiritual truth. It has to be the divine intervention of the Holy Spirit to teach him spiritual truth turn the light on, as it were, so he could understand. So the natural man received the things of God. He intervenes, and he sent his son through the Virgin Mary, and the reason he bypassed the old nature that we all get from Father Adam. He didn't have a human father, so he bypassed. So he was sinless and he could go to the cross of Calvary and he could bear our sins on his body. On the so when he died, he died for our sins. He had none of it, And then he rose again. Isn't it great? We hear this and the Spirit of God moves in our hearts and minds and we say, that's why he died, often wondered. Was he a good man? Did he have a champ, a cause that he was champion, championing only to die as a martyr? The answer is no. He died for our sins. And then he rose again to give us God's gift. When an individual is moved by to understand what Christ did on his or hers behalf, and they trust him as Savior... The Holy Spirit takes them out of Adam and places them in Christ. If any man, anybody be in Christ, what? He's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This has gone away. Now we have a relationship with God again. We're a live spirit. I asked, what state are you in? Not meaning Alaska, Arizona, or someplace else, but spiritually. This man is from natural to spiritual man. And he's kind of like this. got a bad shoulder there. And some of you might be women, just so you don't feel. The Apostle Peter says, we are partakers of the divine nature. What is that? The Holy Spirit. He's the one who turns on the light. He's the one who illuminates the Biblical truth. Um, It's not. His work With Even though he has the indwelling Holy Spirit. Who will never leave. You can't lose yourself. You can't lose the Holy Spirit. Isn't that great? You can grieve him. You can quench him. But you're not going to get him to leave. He won't do it. We are a purchased possession. Right here. The debt was paid. We don't belong to us anymore. We're in Christ. We're a new creation. And as a result, we're still in this old sin body, so we have an old sin nature. Paul calls it the flesh. And Galatians chapter 5 tells us the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and these two are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things you would. How many of you as believers want to serve God? But you find it to be the hardest thing to do. It just seems like it's easier not to. And to find an excuse why not to. An excuse that you justify your own actions in. And if anybody were to ask you, yeah, but. For instance, if I were to ask you, how come you men aren't pursuing pastoral studies so that you can lead churches and teach and preach the gospel of Christ and the whole counsel of God. Why aren't you doing it? Well, I haven't been called. Wrong answer. Yes, you have. You've been called out of darkness into light through the glorious gospel of Christ that's shown unto you. The spiritual gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit the time that you are saved you for how many of you wondered why did you save me why not my brothers or sisters why not somebody else in my extended family anybody ever think those thoughts man I did after I was saved I'd have devotions by myself in my bedroom and I think well, god what is it you want me to do I would have never talked openly like I'm doing now to any group of people I, I just I couldn't do it couldn't do it But then when I learned more about this wonderful message and these biblical truths, I thought, why should I not say it? Why should I not proclaim it and tell other people about it? And um, the Indian Bible colleges that I taught in, one was for 11 and a half years up in uh, Flagstaff, and then one in Colorado, uh, one on the San Carlos Apache Station, and then over on uh, 100 miles west of Flagstaff. And then now I'm teaching at the Bible School, Northern Arizona School of the Bible. Pastor Josh uh, Gregg is the pastor there, and he started this Bible Institute for anybody that wants to attend. And we're getting more and more people joining us each semester. And we do it in person, like now, where you can get feedback, or he does it over the Internet. And even if you're watching on the Internet and you have questions, you can dial the number, and the young man at the back of the auditorium who's running the controls will see this question come up, and he'll pass it on to me, and I'll try to answer it, depending on if it really pertains to what we're talking about. Spiritual state that we find ourselves in. Uh, 1 Corinthians, how many of you are still in chapter 2? Good, stay there. And go down to verse 15. Verse 14 said, The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit. They are foolishness unto him. It's a waste of his time. Neither can he know them. They're spiritually discerned. But... In contrast to that, he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? We have the mind of Christ. We believers that are led by the Spirit of God, we can understand the truth. Don't be afraid to study the Word of God, thinking, oh no, that takes a brain to do that. No. I'm living proof that isn't right. But you'll find that when you spend time in the Word of God and you compare spiritual things with spiritual, you're going to say, wow, I never saw that before, but I see it now. It's making sense. Yes, that's because the Spirit of God that dwells within you is teaching you. God's not trying to hide His will from you. He's not trying to hide what His Word means. He wants you to know it. And that's why He says, He that knoweth to do good and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. So when you learn biblical truth, apply it to your life. Don't say, hmm, and let it go. God's going to hold you accountable for that. And the Bema to of, of Christ is where we're all headed, and we will answer for everything done in our body, whether it be good or evil. Well, this struggle that we are in this fleshly body, uh, we have mind, we have a will, therefore we are responsible for the decisions we make. So, if the Spirit of God shows me something that I haven't been doing, I better do it. I better start doing it. Ask the Lord to help you. And if you're doing something Scripture says you ought not be as God's child, Quit it. It's really that simple. You don't have to wait for the pastor to give an invitation. You can, you can get that right with the Lord at home in your own devotions. Because this is between you and the Lord. It's not between you and the pastor. He doesn't know what's going on in your heart. The Holy Spirit does. He knows it perfectly. Now, <clears throat> let's say this individual is filled with the Spirit. He's a spiritual man. The Spirit is leading him. He loves the Lord. He loves the Word. He loves the things of the Lord. And he wants to know more. And this means the Holy Spirit has filled him. He loves the things of the Lord. And he wants more. He wants more. But then an old temptation comes back they were from and what happens is it's since they can make decisions here they have a will and they have the responsibility to act they can quench this spirit they can choose to do what is contrary contrary to what God said in his word they ought to be doing now when he does that, I'm sorry, that's the wrong way. It opens this, he's spirit-filled, and then he makes a decision. Now he's quenched the spirit, he's grieved him, and he's opened this up, and now he's going to act like wasn't even. He shows us this example. Look, if you will, to chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. I wish I could. But as unto carnal. Even as unto babes in Christ, those who don't know. And when somebody gets saved, you know, they don't automatically know what pleases God. There's a lot of questions. Can I continue to do this? Is this contrary to Holy Writ? Is God pleased with this? I don't know how many times I've had students come up to me It's a Grammar, can I do this as a child of God? And I'd take them to verses like 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. I remember one couple, they liked the dance, not only the Indian dance. They come up with such we're saved, but can we still dance? I said, I'll tell you what you do. You go to the dance, and when they call out, this is going to be a slow number. Get your partner and get on the floor. I said, you go the middle of that dance floor, and both of you kneel down. And you say, God, we want to do this to honor you. And I got this look. I said, what? He said, that doesn't sound right. I said, there. Paul says, you're a new believer, a baby, and you're not growing the way you should because you're not spending time in the Word, and as a result, you're not doing Carnal, carnivorous flesh. I have fed you with milk, not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither are you not are you now, either yet now are ye able. For you are ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envy, strife, divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I'm a Paul, another saith, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul? Who's Apollos, but ministers by whom you believe, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth, and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. They're great. Each of us have a part in God's plan. Nobody's super spiritual. Uh, they have the same equipment that every other believer has. They have the Word of God, they have a mind, they can read. They also have spiritual gifts that they can serve God with. What else do you need? And as a result, you wouldn't be, who wants to teach a Sunday school class? That had already been taken care of because two or three people would approach the pastor. Can you have a class I can teach? Mm -hmm. And then after you pick him up off the floor and revive him, you go on. (laughs) You got a a VBS coming up. You're going to need workers. Workers. Not heroes, not the one who's going to shine above everybody else, but someone who just says, what can I do? How can I serve? Now, you might have a question. First of all, this individual has made a decision that has quenched the spirit. Now they're operating as carnal. How do they get back? How do they get back to where they're filled with the spirit? Know the verse. Oh, come on! You better memorize this. You'll need it. You will need it again, and again, again. If we forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all what. Oh what! Yes, all the things we can do it here. Do it here with special speakers. The Spirit can say hey by faith by faith it's not by works of righteousness which we have done it's the working of God in every case and he's use first John 1 9 and I confess my sin the spirit of God takes that lever and flips it over here shuts off the what the flesh produces Galatians chapter 5 and look at verse 19. I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit led the writers, the human writers, to choose the right words and explain things to us. Because if he hadn't, we'd be making up in our own mind what we think he means. But we could be dead wrong. We could be so far off track. But Galatians chapter 5 says, now the works of the flesh are what? They're made known. Here they are, you wonder If you're actually being led of the Spirit, because he also talks earlier about the fruit of the Spirit, but here he's talking about the flesh, and he says that the works of the flesh are made known, and here they are, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, Hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, reveling. And in case he skipped anything that you're doing, he said, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I've also told you in the past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, that's pretty clear, isn't it? So we don't have to wonder what the flesh is going to produce. He's describing it right here. And then he So, Brethren, we have no excuse for staying out of fellowship with the Lord. We have no excuse for getting ourselves into a state, a spiritual state, that is contrary to what God would have. It's really interesting to me that Paul, thank the Lord for him, recognized he had this struggle in his own life, and he wanted his state to be known to other believers that he struggled too, And then also, he wanted them to be aware of the struggle that's going on inside. Uh, this struggle that we're talking about inside of every believer. There's no exceptions. God wants us to know what's going on. He doesn't want us to be frustrated or confused. Just examine yourself, see if you'll be in the faith, and then move out and walk by faith. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for bringing these things to our attention. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for Paul's faithfulness. I do pray, Lord, you'd help us to be faithful also and that we might apply these truths as we should and in a way that would glorify you. If there's anybody here and you would say, Brother Grammar, when I see it this way, I realize there's things in my life that ought not be then use 1 John 1, 9 right now as we have a moment of silent prayer. Get that out of the way so that the Spirit of God can fill you and guide you. Do it now.